This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Know in our heart that the very things that make you different are your greatest gifts and most valuable contributions. Valeria interviews Mei Ling Choi. She is a third-generation intuitive, creator of Soul Agenda School, and speaker. Mei Ling helps women who identify as a black sheep or scapegoats of their families move from feeling inadequate to becoming powerful cycle breakers by reconnecting them with their unique soul agenda and divine support system so that they can shine their light into the world, knowing they are deeply loved and valued for who they are. As a mixed-race woman who inherited intuitive and psychic abilities through her Chinese lineage, Mei Ling is a bridge between the East and West and between the earthly and spiritual realms. Growing up, she constantly felt like the outsider, never quite fitting in anywhere. As a child of divorce, the feeling was only exacerbated when she became the inconvenient addition to her parents' new families. The spiritual journey that eventually led Mei Ling to become a professional intuitive started with one question, why? Mei Ling shares personal stories from growing up as the black sheep and scapegoat and weaves in vulnerable, potent, and often funny insights, gleaned from these experiences with the hopes that those listening feel less alone on their healing journeys. Meet Mei Ling at meiling-intuitive.com. Here's the interview with Mei Ling Choi. In your own words, who is Mailing Choi? I would say that I'm someone who's always been kind of in, in the in-between and a little bit of an outsider. And now I won't say that it's something negative. Mm. I think of that as more as a positive thing because I'm also very curious. I've always been a curious person since I was a child. I was always that kid that was asking, you know, why? Why is this like that? But why? Why? <laughs> and it's easier um, to observe when you're standing on the edges than sometimes when you're you know, in the middle of it. And mm, as an intuitive, yeah. I find that helps me as well to be curious and to observe and to stand a little bit on the outside. Mm, wow. What's not to love about that, being <laughs> on the outside? <laughs> That, to me, translates very much into what you just said, the meaning of that word curiosity. So being open, receptive right. to what is, to what's happening now, to what's present, to what is true to us, 
going back to what we just talked off record a moment ago. So being intuitive, is from for some people, it sounds abstract. For me, it's very mm -hmm. real and it's something yeah. that, I, yeah, it's, it's so clear. <laughs> There's so much happening here that if we pay attention, it's almost like a lot more than the eyes or the ears can capture. But from your perspective, I would love for the audience to have an idea, Mayling. What is, mm -hmm. to, what is intuition first and what is to be unintuitive? Intuition, I feel, is something that we're all born with. As humans, we all have this. And the way I like to explain it to people, it's like connecting to the Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. So you can yeah. either be offline <laughs> and feel kind of lost, yes. or you can be online and be connected to this greater mm. benevolent um, power and force that is always watching over us, mm. caring for us and guiding us. Mm. And I feel that intuition is that connection, like that Wi-Fi connection. And once we are open to that, um, then we are always guided. And um, intuition is, is like the language of the soul. It's not always verbal. It can be everything. And I feel that's how nature communicates as well. You know, maybe we see a red flower and we get this feeling on the spot. And it might be the feeling that, okay, everything is going to be okay. And then I feel that's the universe's way of communicating with us. So to me... That's what I feel intuition is. Mm. Yes, it really resonates with me, especially, you see, the idea of a benevolent power, we can call the universe, God, life, soul, that is guiding us, that's always present. This is something I talk to a lot of people about all kinds of things. And this mm -hmm. keeps coming back to me, this question about that I actually share here with them and we discuss this together. If there's this benevolent, loving power, energy that's always here, why do we get ourselves in trouble a lot of times? Why do we suffer? <laughs> <laughs> yes, talk to me about that for a moment, Mayling. <laughs> Personally, <laughs> I feel yeah. the, the most, the times when I got into quote unquote the most trouble, I can almost pinpoint this every time is when I let my mind override my intuition. Mm, yeah, <laughs> yes. And it's, I feel as, as you know, humans, it's a constant battle between the mind and, mm -hmm. and the intuition, mm. the shoulds. and Because mm. intuition is not always logical. Yes. And, you know, what you receive is not always the easy mm. way. Right. You know, sometimes our gut feeling tells us to do something that is scary, mm. that is unfamiliar. Right. And then the mind out of fear will try to talk ourselves out of it. But then right. <laughs> I find often when I let my mind override my intuition, that's when I get into real trouble. Then it, it requires a lot of cleaning up. Yes. yes. Oh, wow. That's very clear to me. Wow, mm -hmm. very, very clear. And that's another question that I, I love going deeper into things uh -huh. <laughs> about the mind, the intellect. And, you know, I'm a student of Vedanta, which is a non-duality Hindu mm -hmm. spiritual philosophy, that they talk about consciousness and mind, that they are two different things. So I think that's where they don't talk about intuitions as much, although I have heard some of the teachers talk about intuition in a sense, almost like being part of the intellect is a kind of intelligence that's it's very natural to the, to the body, mind, in a sense of navigating with those two systems. But 
consciousness would be something different that's everywhere. It's not really in the body. It's not localized. It's just everywhere. So when you talk about the mind, I would love to go deeper into it in the sense of knowing the difference. Like what are the qualities of the mind? How do we know really what the mind's hold, the mind holds in what intuition kind of expresses and, and tries to guide us into? Oh, I love that question. I feel the mind um, is not quiet at all. <laughs> it yes, tends to be so very true. noisy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's nonstop and it's very conflicting. It, it will mm. go in circles and circles. It will go, should we do this? But then this person might think this. No, mm. we should do this and mm. then that. Right. And it seems that it's very much based out of uh, fear. It's very much based on urgency. It's very much based on, oh, something happened. You know, it's reactive. We must do something now. Whereas intuition compared to the mind's voice, I find it's a lot more quiet. It's often very quiet. It's very grounded. It's firm. So, you know, with when you get a gut feeling, it doesn't go away. It will keep coming back. It's insistent, but it's kind and it's compassionate. Mm. It doesn't speak to us negatively. It might be firm. It might say, you know, please listen, please mm. listen. But it, it won't. The mind can be very, very mean. And I feel mm. intuition much more often than not is felt in the body or in the heart. And I would say those are the big differences. Mm. Yes, mm. that also resonates true to me, especially the uh, when you speak of kindness, right, coming mm-hmm. from intuition. But also truth, it's true, like, in a sense of expressing, trying to reveal truth, right? right. Really. And it, like you said before, it's not really trying to be logical about it. Sometimes we have to let go of certain things. And, That's right. And I yeah. remember that, yeah, having those intuitive thoughts years ago when I had to make big decisions about my life, going through depression and all that. And I remember really listening to, to the, my intuition and doing what it was guiding me to do. And then a lot of the actions that I was supposed to take, that I took actually, they uh-huh. didn't seem logic. It didn't make any sense. You know, leave the job that I that I had, yes. worked so hard for, and then leaving the city in New York at the time I was living in New York as a personal trainer, going to France to write my book. That doesn't make any sense, you know? And I did it anyway. I feel like it's so it, it's so brave to follow that. Yes, right. So it takes mm-hmm. courage, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And I guess the next question that comes to mind is, I don't want to try to make this easy, you know, how easy it is to live from intuitive mind, but how do you balance listening to the mind and intuition? Do you try to listen more to, to your intuition these days and have all that amazing courage <laughs> to follow what it's supposed to be done? I feel at the end of the day, it's good to have things in balance. I feel that, mm. you know, we have a mind for a reason. And like you were saying, yeah. um, you know, consciousness, it, it encompasses everything. Oh, yeah. So I feel, you know, when there's a good balance between common sense, yeah. <laughs> which uh. I take, you know, when, when the mind is in its best state and intuition. And I feel when we get that intuitive nudge, you know, this inspired idea to do something, then often, like you said, we we have to take action on it. And the very 
practical nitty-gritty details yeah. like planning yeah. or things like that it still requires the mind mm. so yeah. I would say it's a good blend of both but I often mm. have yeah. or at least try to have intuition leading and then mm. following up the details with the mind mm. yes that's clear to me yes mm. so we are not dishing the mind. <laughs> we, are, right. we are not letting it go of that part of us. Okay, yes. So we do, like you said, beautifully and clearly, yes. We gather, listen for the insights of intuition, what's here to do. And it usually, to me, it seems like it, it, intuition is able to see a, the big picture of yes. whatever yes. it is, right? Yeah, it can it can see ahead what we can't see now. Right, right. I see that. Like, mm -hmm. oh, I can clearly see something as a vision. Some this happening feels really amazing in the body. And yes, I mean, but then uh, I don't know how to get there. <laughs> no, how, how am I gonna <laughs> yeah. ever get there? <laughs> and then that's the mind needs to be clear and quiet in order to execute. Let's say to, to plan right the steps. Um, in a healthy way so we don't get hurt because I remember getting hurt by not being clear with the mind and just following my intuition <laughs> and then I got myself in trouble many times too that it, it can happen yes <laughs> <laughs> yes right in my case it did yeah. just so I just, yeah. I just have to say this here oh my god we have so much to talk about <laughs> let's see so you are a third generation intuitive and creator of So Agenda School I love that So Agenda that caught my attention so I would love to hear more about the work you do with other people, with your clients through, is that through So Agenda? I know you have a website, which I will have here on the podcast notes. So talk to me about the, how you work with clients. Is your work for everyone or certain people? So when I, when I first started as an intuitive, and I suppose the more common word for intuitive is like a psychic medium. But the word psychic, I feel, is very loaded and has a lot of negative uh, connotations. So I prefer the word intuitive. And also, like I said, intuitive intuition is something we all have and I believe we can all access. And so I prefer to use that. And when I first started out, because I'm curious about people, I first started, you know, doing soul purpose readings. But more and more... I began to notice there was a common pattern between all the women that came to me and they all tended to be the black sheep or the scapegoats of their families, which was interesting because I am the black sheep and scapegoat of my family. And so um, what I help women to do, a lot of black sheep and scapegoats, they are born feeling inadequate and not good enough. And that's something that's very painful when you're growing up as a child to realize that your family does not accept you for who you are and sees you as something lesser. And that wound that you carry, it will carry through every part of your life, you know, and affects relationships, it affects goals and dreams, careers, and all these other things. And these women that come to me, they don't realize that they're these, these buried diamonds. So I help them move from feeling not good enough to shining their light into the world because a lot of black sheep and scapegoats, they are born with special soul gifts. Mm. So mm. the soul agenda, the agenda, the mm. plan that their soul had, you know, set out for them in this lifetime. And there's a reason why they were born to be the black sheep 
the scapegoats of their families because they are actually cycle breakers. Wow. Yes. <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm just trying to observe all that kind of trying to actually put myself in that position because I don't think I was the black sheep. I was kind of the opposite of that. Everybody mm -hmm. liked me because I was too, I mean, always giving in, always doing everything that everyone wanted me to do in my family mm -hmm. and then getting punished for no reason. But mm -hmm. it's still there, very loyal and faithful. And so I am trying to relate to that. But I, I had a conversation too with somebody recently. Yeah, and she mentioned that I was the scapegoat and she mentioned that term too. And then they became cycle breakers. I remember these two women. One of them fit exactly the, the description that you just uh, mentioned. And the other one was more like me. And I remember that. I think my husband fits the description of black sheep. <laughs> Definitely does. <laughs> uh, so this is, wow. I guess the question, another question that comes to me is the soul agenda. That's an interesting idea. So do you believe that, I have heard that so many times, that we plan our lessons, to learn certain lessons here in, in this lifetime. That's what I have learned. I have heard from people. That resonates true to me, but there's something in me that keeps asking to go deeper into it in a sense. Okay, if this is true and you have made a choice to be here in a human body and go through all these painful experiences in order to learn something great, what's the way out of that? How can I stop, stop this cycle of birth and rebirth? So I did a lot of study with Buddhism because I wanted to understand that, you know, how to stop the, the suffering, the karmic cycle. So now I'll, I would love to hear, well, I have a different idea now of what all this is, is about, but it still seems to be a practice, a going deeper kind of a felt understanding of, of this relationship between karma and also freedom. So I really want to hear from you. What is, what is your thoughts on freedom? Like, do you envision yourself being free as a soul in a sense that you don't have to come here again as a, as a black <laughs> sheep and, and we don't have to go through this? So yeah, talk to me for a moment about the soul agenda and freedom, the way I just tried to describe. Whew. Freedom is something I think about a lot, a lot. And I wish I could say that I could just get it for Christmas. But <laughs> yes, that would <Yeah>. be amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's a very big question that I ponder about all the time as well. Yeah. And definitely a soul agenda is something, you know, what you mentioned is on my mind all the time too, you know, why do we have to have these lessons? And, you know, why do we have to repeat? And how can we get off this repeating hamster wheel? And... I feel probably nobody in the world has the answer. You know, I always think of the story of the the, the three uh, blind men and the elephant, and nobody really knows what the elephant is like. So I'll tell you which, like, if I'm holding on to the tail, <laughs> yes. I'll tell you what I, yeah. <laughs> what I feel about the tail. So working with, you know, my clients, because I communicate with their spirit guides and I get to hear some of you know, the plan they put together and, and also from my own experiences, I definitely feel, you know, we are put into certain situations on earth with certain people, you know, the families to, to heal parts of us. Um, you know, these tendencies that we might have had uh, over many lifetimes, if you believe in, in reincarnation, um, and with a lot of my clients, it revolves around 
um, you know, not feeling worthy and not loving the self. And the universe is very interesting. Sometimes these lessons are, you know, it, it may seem very cruel and harsh, you know, to put someone in a family with parents who, you know, don't accept you or love you. And, but I find often with clients and myself, and because it, of that situation and because of, of maybe that lack of what was needed, that's where the search starts. It's that that starts, um, you know, it sets them on the path. And I, for myself, I know when I felt unsupported and unloved by the very people who should have done that, I started seeking. And I would often go as a teenager, I would go take my dog on a walk outside and I would look up at the sky and I would see the moon and I would feel a connection, you know, a nurturing feeling from the moon. And I started to talk to the moon. And this was when I didn't know about astrology or I didn't know about anything, but I later found out that the moon is very much a symbol of the mother and of nurturing. And that started that connection. And it slowly, you know, started this path towards self-love. And so often it feels unexplainable or strange, but I feel the universe puts these you know, challenges and lessons there for us to give us what we need, not always what we want. Mm, yes, so true. Wow. Yeah. I can relate <laughs> to all of that. How wonderful to hear that as a confirmation, really, that life loves life. Life it seeks harmony, seeks balance. You, you see that in nature. So that makes sense to me, Maylene, that because we are you know, living in the natural world and the body's part of it very much mm-hmm. and we return to it. So it seeks balance. I have heard that before. So that's why I mentioned now life loves life. And then mm-hmm. I also heard something that resonated very true to me. I am life. I don't have a life. So that really resonated too. You see, I think a lot of times is like we talked about the mind, the mind, it's very interesting space that mm-hmm. keeps taking credit for everything. So everything that very happens doesn't happen. It blames itself or blames everything or if it happens, oh, I did it. It's always taking notes and it's always, let's say, it's owning, it owns everything. But what about if freedom is exactly that? There's no ownership. We are life. So it just happens and, and, and it just, and even if it happens in, in circles and cycles, circles and cycles, it's just what it does. You know, I've been really trying to, one of my practices is really try to accept whatever is happening exactly the way it is without resisting, without being afraid of it, without, of course, fear is innate, right? The body, mind, complex. You can't really become fearless. We can only have more courage. That's what I have learned. Because you mentioned the spirit guides. And I just had a beautiful conversation with somebody yesterday about that. She's a medium, medium, yes. So she communicates with people who have passed and also the spiritual guides of her own and other people. So what's the connection between the spiritual guides and intuition and then the soul agenda? How can we connect all that? So I would say that the spirit guides, um, if we imagine that when we are uh, incarnating on earth, we can imagine that we are like an astronaut 
on the moon. Mm -hmm. So we're wearing this, you know, that yeah. astronaut suit, we're wearing the yeah. human skin. Yeah. <laughs> and we can only see uh, everything that's on ground level. And mm -hmm. so our guides are the ones that are, uh, you know, guiding us, helping us. And we can imagine them as being in the Houston control center. So mm -hmm. they have the bird's eye view of everything. Yes. And they're communicating with us through, you know, the intercom link, which I would mm -hmm. say is your intuition. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they have their paper, they have their notes, yeah. which is the soul agenda. So the plan that you made for this lifetime, mm -hmm. you know, okay, we want to have these learning experiences. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to, we're supposed to meet these people And then us being on the moon, being unable to see too far ahead or, you know, not really getting the bird's eye view, we might see, oh, there's a few steps in front of me. It looks like there's a steep drop off. I'm scared. I'm not going to cross this. And then our guides who from the control center, they can see, oh, it looks like a steep drop off, but it's actually just two feet. Just jump. You'll get to the other yeah. side yeah. and then there will be... A wonderful adventure. Mm. And so our guides then use our intuition to speak to us either through a synchronicity, um, you know, through someone else. It could be through a symbol. You know, if we see an, an animal or an insect that gives us the feeling that, oh, yes, it looks scary, but I can do this. And then we make the leap, trusting the intuition. So the spirit guides message. Yes. And that also makes sense to me the spiritual world using intuition as a communication tool mm -hmm. to get to us. When you speak of signs, yeah, that, of course, I have experienced that many times, yeah, synchronicities and signs, all that. And I always ask for that, you know, send me a sign. I always ask for assistance, but I have no idea who I'm asking assistance to. <laughs> no idea at all. And some people actually, they speak of seeing This, their spiritual guides. Have you had experience with that too, Meiling, of seeing them with your human eyes? I would say um, that happened more frequently when I was younger. So under the age of seven, I think um, we are much more open to um, experiencing different things. The mind and the logic hasn't really stepped in yet to, to gatekeep things. Um, but I have heard of uh, other people... Um, and sometimes when I've been in some rough, rough patches in life, when I really needed some help, then out of the corner of my eye, I would see someone. I don't think I have seen, I'm just trying to remember. That's an amazing experience to have. And I, I talk to people who see, actually, they talk to entities from beings from a diff different planets, or and they actually sit with them and have a conversation like we are having now. Yeah, they see people who have passed uh, from their family sit in front of them. Have, they have conversations. They have fun with them, actually, too. They mm -hmm. dance together and all that. You see, this is an interesting experience. I see everything as an experience. And it's one that most of us don't relate to because it doesn't seem to be accessible to everyone. And I, I wonder why some of us don't have access to these. I call them mystical experiences, spiritual experiences. Do you feel that we actually have these experiences, but we, all of us, but we deny them? Or do some, some, some people are more sensitive than others? How do you feel about that? I feel um, there are definitely some people that are more sensitive to this. And I feel a lot of my clients actually are, are those people, you know, people who grow up and you don't have to be, 
you know, a black sheep or scapegoat for this. If you grew up in a home, you know, even as you uh, who are, was the golden child, you can be very sensitive to family dynamics. Maybe there is somebody in the family that has a bad temper. And if you're used to tiptoeing around them, you know, walking on eggshells, always trying to feel out what their mood is, because maybe if they're not in a good mood, they might take it out on you. And for these people, they develop this sensitivity, I would say, already early on, because they're feeling out someone's mood. And when they were younger and their family would have said, oh, you're too sensitive. You know, mm, you, you yeah. I, I'm <laughs> taking it too seriously. You're reading too much into it. Yeah. But then later on, this actually can be developed into a gift where these people are very intuitive, empathic, and they can just sense, you know, energy. They can read between the lines, between what is not being said. So definitely, I think some people, because of how they grew up, are more sensitive to this. And you said, you know, do some of us deny it? I would think so. And a lot of the times it can be because of certain beliefs that are placed on them where, um, you know, through the culture or maybe through religion, they are told that, you know, it's, these things are bad and then the mind will block it out because apparently, you know, we receive a ton of information, but a lot of it gets filtered. Yeah. And it can be fear that blocks it out. It can be, um, you know, certain beliefs that block it out. There are many, many things. And I would say it often takes a, um, a life-changing event, you know, mm. Yeah. Very big event sometimes to yeah. crack people open, like cracking open a <laughs> true. coconut. Yeah. True. <laughs> so true. Yeah. Gosh, it has been my case too. There's mm-hmm. suffering. There's this purpose to suffering, right, Nelly? Right. Yeah, cool. It ah. softens you up. It does. <laughs> it very much yeah. does. Gosh, we don't wish that for others and right. for ourselves, right? But there's yes. something about yeah, suffering in this realm that's really part of its feels like it's part of it. You just mentioned something before that I made a note here. It caught my attention. It was about making plans. So we talk, you talked about the spiritual guides kind of keeping us on track about the plan that we have made for this lifetime. So I wonder if we have the choice at some point to give up on that plan, to just put it aside and kind of choose something else. Like in my case, my and my main interest is freedom. So I keep going back to, you know, those questions that will lead me to, you know, to the path of freedom. How can I be free from this? And of course, I, because I'm a student of Vedanta, it's very simple from their, their perspective. At least they give you the answer before you ask the question even. You are God. You are free already. You already everything that you're looking for. So this is they already start like that. And then you know, the mind will go crazy and say, How yes. that's not possible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't be free. I can't be God and all that. <laughs> so and yeah. that's what they say is actually that fight that needs to end. Once yes. you really realize and you establish that truth that you already are everything you're looking for, then the seeking ends. And then now the mind becomes quiet. It Basically, you rest, you go back, you return to the essence, which is, there are so many names, but we can say God or consciousness, whatever it is. It just quiets everything. And now you have nothing to really 
fight for or to look for. But it's not really some. You see, that that's my, I guess, ah, something that keeps coming back to me is that even having these conversations here, you know, why do I have this podcast in the first place? Mm-hmm. Why do I write books? Why do I mm-hmm. organize workshops? So what's the point mm-hmm. of all this if I have already found the answer <laughs> that I am freedom, I am God, I have, there's nothing really to do. But there's something that doesn't, you see, it's almost like they talk about the bicycle. You know, sometimes you're riding this bicycle and you're going really full speed. And at some point you jump out of the bicycle and then the bicycle continues to to move forward by itself with, without you in it. So maybe it's something like that. The body now is just doing what it does. It's still kind of carrying the, the remaining of the karma. And then it just kind of keeps doing this, which it goes back to me into life being life, very supportive of itself. And then try to, okay, I already have an idea, a glimpse of what freedom is. So I want to uh-huh. pass that on to others. I want other people to know <laughs> and be, you know, just be, uh, just kind of, rest within their own love that's already here and just kind of, that's it. (laughs) But easier said than done. (laughs) All that, right, Maylene? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I guess that was my question. I I started to ask that question and then I I moved on talking about Vedanta in my understandings. But (laughs) talk to me about that from your perspective. Can you jump off that bicycle? (laughs) Like how can you, can you put a stop on that soul's agenda and know that you're free and just how would you go from that anyway, if, we, if you get that from your perspective? I think that's a really juicy question. And I think you are definitely onto something that the bike will keep moving. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I feel that, you know, with the soul agenda, with the plan that you have, it's also very much a balance, I think, between, I don't really want to use the word destined, but I think you know what I mean, mm-hmm. and between yeah. free will. And I feel... Mm. You know, our guys in the universe will say, okay, in this lifetime, we have decided that you're going to go from point A to point B. So you will get to point B. So that's like you you knowing that, okay, the ultimate goal is freedom. But how Ah. we get from point A to point B, I think is very much up to us. So some people, they like taking the shortcut, they get on the plane. Some people will want to do a cross-country drive, Mm. you know, get lost a bunch of times. (laughs) Yes, I see. (laughs) Some people will carry a lot Uh, of, you know, luggage with them. Some mm. people will travel light. Mm. And I think that's up to us. I do, however, think that eventually, you know, our guides and the universe want us to get to point B. And when you talked about freedom, I think it's, you know, what you said, it, it resonated with me a lot that, that difference between feeling free or not is often if that resistance is there or not. And when I look back, you know, in, in moments during my life, sometimes I can be, it's the most beautiful day. I'm in the most wonderful place in this wonderful setting, but I'm feeling miserable inside. And it's very much internally, right, if there is resistance or not. And I feel when we talk about that ultimate freedom. I don't know that we can, it seems like such a huge concept that our mind can't even grasp it. But I feel, um, I feel that, you know, it probably has to be something that we experience through the body and the soul and our, our mind just, our mind can't understand it. And maybe when, um, you know, what the universe's plan for us is, and when we surrender to that, I can feel that can be a kind of freedom. <laughs> mm. 
Yes, you're onto something too, Aileen, <laughs> with that. <laughs> yes, uh, the mind, right? Maybe the mind never w- will never understand that, what freedom is. So, but there's something about clarity, though. I, you know, in Vedanta, they talk about clearing, polishing the mirror. So it's like you can only see your face clearly in a mirror if the mirror is clean and it's it's sparkly clean. So the our only job is really to keep polishing the mirror, which means really clearing the mind, and which has a lot to do, you see, not with the lack of stress or putting our, our in ourselves into um, let's say challenging situations of doing something new, trying something new, because the mind usually gets uneasy about that, anything that's new, which relates to the ego too, the false self. So maybe it's it's that, like having the minds um, while being guided by those energies, that essence energy. And it's almost like a trust type of thing, isn't it? If the mind trusts yes. right, what's guiding yes. it, then it will rest. Yes, it's very much about trust, I feel. Yeah. yeah, it feels to me too, within that system, because it's one system. And, and Vedanta teaches that it's, it's just there's one reality, one ground of reality. There's just one thing, really, a real thing that's happening here, not two, which means we are everything that we actually see, that we perceive, every the mind, the body. So all that, it's part of one huge, let's say, body. So it's part of a system, and that system is wholeness. That would be God. So everything is, it's not that God is in everything, it's that everything is in God. So that makes, for me, it was just so clear that it's, even the mind understands that. Like, okay, I think it doesn't understand, it just rests in it. It has been like, it has been so tired of trying so for so long to to answer questions and to find a destination of happiness and peace that when I hear that from, from you, my guests, anything, or from even myself now speaking, the mind rests in it and just kind of, yeah, there's a kind of trust, I believe. I don't know if I can call it trust, but it might be for lack of a better word. So now that we talked about that, freedom piece that I, I had to, <laughs> I had to bring it into this conversation. Let's go back to the um, black sheep and scapegoat personality type, which I talked a lot of people about archetypes and personality types, astrology, I mean, all kinds of, let's say, some almost guiding systems to, to understand how we, you know, why do we do what we do, why we feel the way we feel and all that. So, what do you bring to into the conversation, into this reality is a very interesting idea because it's true, right? The people who are not accepted by by others, especially their own family, which it has been my case, but it's, it's slightly different because they seem to, to care for me in a sense of, mm, yeah, well, I don't know if I can say that. But I think one thing about black sheep, are they, do they behave? Talk to me a little bit about the personality a bit more so I can understand that, mainly. How do, do they behave in... Um, Let's say that they rebel often, or they are actually uh, submissive, and because I was very submissive, and <laughs> I love this question. It's one of my favorite <laughs> questions because there's a big myth yeah. around that uh, the black sheep um, in the media and movies and everything. The black sheep is always portrayed as the rebel, the troublemaker, chaos maker. But really, you know what I tell people is the black sheep. It simply means the one that is 
different in the family. And sometimes it means the one that is more sensitive than the others. It could be the one that is surrounded by rageaholics, the one that is calm. Um, or like yourself, maybe, uh, you know, the one that is happy to please um, and, you know, the rest of the family is not. So it's the one that is different and not accepted for it. Mm. Ah, mm -hmm. that's very clear now. So I was one too. <laughs> I have to put yes. myself in that category. And um, there's many different flavors of it too. Mm. It's not so black and white. Right. Yeah. 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 Ah, that's, wow, that's insightful because that, the idea I had was exactly what the movies mm -hmm. put, portrayed, right? That's, uh, yep. <laughs> it's always rebellious. My sister was like that, always running mm -hmm. away. Oh, you're going to hit me. My mother wanted to do to um, mm -hmm. hit her, she would just run and just sleep in somebody else's house. So she, she was like <laughs> so different. Like, wow, you're yeah. very different than I am. I would just stay there yep. and take everything <laughs> with no problem. So I wouldn't hurt them. Isn't that interesting? Right. I would rather hurt myself than try to hurt them. Right. Yeah. Ah, uh, that's very interesting. There's an Instagram post that you sent to me that you clearly talk about how it affects your relationships, your your connection to self, your goals, career, money, I mean, everything in an unhealthy way. And then you talk about the good things about it once. And then you talk about the mirror. Oh, you use the mirror too, which is interesting. You say, mm -hmm. what would happen if you looked in the mirror and saw a swan? Swan in a sense of you saw yourself differently. Ah, yeah, because we usually don't mm -hmm. see ourselves as worth praise or being beautiful, being right. That's mm -hmm. interesting to notice too. It definitely was my case. I had a very low self-esteem and all that. See, when we reflect back, the other day I made a video and I cried actually when I thought about how disconnected right. I was from my body, mm -hmm. my heart, mind. I mean, it was so much disconnection. And then you talk beautifully, you say, then what would happen? That was a question. And then the, the part that I highlighted here that caught my attention, she said, we would know, really know in our hearts that every, that the very things that made us different are our greatest mm -hmm. gifts and most valuable contributions. So that stopped me, made me pause for a while. God, yeah, it made me pause. It makes me pause now, <laughs> as a matter of fact. <laughs> ah, that's powerful. Yes. Um, you see, we are so afraid of our, we're so afraid to be different. Isn't that interesting? We want to, yes. why do we want it to fit in so much? Is that because we have this innate desire to belong, to connect? Yes. I think it goes, you know, even though we are so, quote unquote, uh, technologically advanced now, yeah. you know, we can buy and shop things on this little machine we hold in our hand. I think at the end of it, uh, the very primal part of us yeah. is still the same. Mm. And, you know, I think even now, but really, you know, back in ancient times to be disconnected or to be ostracized from your family or your, or your clan, it could mean certain death. Mm. And I feel that we have yes. this, you know, innate fear mm. of of being cut off and ostracized from mm. the group. Yeah. Damn. And to be different means, you know, there's that fear to be to be different means to be cast out. Mm. Wow, that's mm -hmm. true, Meili. Mm -hmm. Oh, very true. And then death, right? Because back yes. then we wouldn't survive if we were to belong to a group, uh, to a Can tribe. Can you imagine winter? Yeah. Um. How are you going to survive? Yeah. 
wow, so that stayed within us. It's still here. And then by yeah. not being accepted by our families, you know, that fear sets in. And now we're trying, we're really trying to survive so. yeah, in so many ways, emotionally, yes. physically. Especially as, mm. as, as children, we depend on our, our parents, our caretakers right. for everything. Yeah. Right. Ah, mm-hmm. that's a very good point. How amazing. So I have heard also, you know, the work with archetypes and also spiritual guides, going deeper into the spiritual ideas, concepts of how to live and how to better our lives by understanding, you know, those concepts better, the meaning of the concept spirituality or astrology and all that, and archetypes and all that. And I have, because uh, I have a lot of interesting conversations here and that what comes to mind is that we, you see, we cannot be free from that, it seems to me. You see, this, I just mentioned before about the bike just running without you, mm-hmm. because it's still, the body runs the show here in this reality. So, and it's still right. informed by ancestry lineages. We can't mm-hmm. really disconnect from that. I don't think we mm-hmm. could, right? We are still attached to them. I agree with you. You know, they say that trauma is stored mm. in the, mm. the DNA and so that we, you know, we carry it from the great grandmothers, pass it to, you know, and so on and so on. And um, yeah, I, I feel that very much as a black sheep. And so as a cycle breaker, what you're trying to do is you're trying to choose a different thing. Mm. Yes. And and it's difficult because it means you're going against all the conditioning, mm. you're going against all yes. the programming. And if you have a partner mm. or a child or, you know, with your good friends, it means that you are going to try to do something different. You are going to try to give them something that you never received. Mm. You're going uh. to give them love and caring mm. um, or, you know, attention that you never received. And it's, that's why it's such a brave thing when, you know, people, they decide to be, to break the cycle. Um, and I feel that's, that strength and everything, um, they draw that from, I would say, the connection with the universe. Because if they've never experienced it before, you know, um. yeah. Oh my God, good point. I mean, so clear. <laughs> You're beautifully clear. Yes, that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, so mm-hmm. we, ah, oh, yes, Maylene, maybe because, well, we have, I'd say we, I, I want to talk for myself, but I know you, we are, it seems like we have experienced very similar uh, journeys right. in, the, in this experience of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, by experiencing this connection from the body, mm-hmm. mind, heart uh, at, at a very early age, my case, then it created this new connection or this new, it's something in me was seeking for a new connection. As you said about looking at the moon, you know, something else that I could connect with. Uh, And that by doing that, because my, I keep saying this on this podcast too, to so many people that I meet, because I interview a lot of therapists and scientists. Mm -hmm. So I keep saying, you know, this is, um, I never done therapy because my my way of finding myself, returning mm-hmm. to myself and finding peace was spirituality, was not Right, really. yeah. Uh, so that's what you mean by connecting to divine love, connecting to source, to essence, to God per se. Mm-hmm. So that's why we are able to give something we never received from human beings. Ah, wow, I never thought of that way. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. In my experience, it's mm. it's been like that. And with a lot of my clients, I feel that's why they um, very early on, you know, in their lives 
started a spiritual journey. That's how they they were seeking that love. Right. And then for you, you just mentioned now, is, was it something that you called uh, spiritual or did you use a different name for that connection to the universe? Yeah, I would I would say spiritual. You did. <laughs> yeah. yeah, use the yeah. same term, right? Yeah. And I noticed that now uh, some people, they mm-hmm. also, they're afraid of that term. They, you know, mm-hmm. because they, they connect that to belief systems, um, right. dogmas and all that. Yes. So I try not to use, I still use it though, but... Yeah, what, what word could we use? I'm using also right? wholeness. I like wholeness. Yeah. There's something about yeah. wholeness. Uh, but I don't know. We, it's only words. I guess all this can be expressed really uh, within our pres- presence. I can feel yeah. your presence. So I don't think yeah. we need, I don't think we need words, right? To express uh, unconditional love or the divine love. There's, there's I agree. no words needed. Yeah. But yeah, you, you talked to us about the... Uh, that you show up as your your authentic self once you get mm-hmm. to know your own beauty, and then um, th- there's another something else that caught my attention. What <clears throat> the Instagram post that you sent? We're almost at the end, and I have some. Maybe uh, I'm <laughs> trying to to go back to the topic because sometimes I can be all over the place <laughs> if I don't have my notes here. So you also mentioned um, as a black sheep uh, scapegoat, you will never be able to prove your worth to people basically said for many reasons. And then you mentioned all the reasons there. And then in the end, you said, imagine being so comfortable and grounded in yourself that the idea of proving yourself to them seems comical. Uh, It's laughable. (laughs) Yes, trying to prove yourself. Ah, yes. So based on that, talk to me about um, what it looks like, how to describe um, what do your experience look like from the perspective of feeling so grounded in yourself that you're not trying to prove yourself anymore? So what does, it, yeah, give me an idea. I mean, you very much comes across to me authentic, the way you express in yourself. I can see you, you cannot see me, but um, it's very clear to me. And also the energy, because I'm very sensitive to energy. So I'm just trying to pick up energies here. But for people who don't, who are not as sensitive, how would you explain that journey of becoming your, your own true self? I'll use a story that most of us will know and can relate to. And it also happens to be my favorite and a lot of my clients' favorite mm. fairy tale is yeah. Ugly Duckling. So, you know, the ugly duckling, it's the different egg, the one that looks different from all yeah. the other ducks and the ducks make fun out of it. And for its whole young life, this ugly duckling is suffering because it thinks, oh my goodness, I'm this terrible duck. I'm ugly. I can't do this. I can't do anything that my duck siblings can do. You know, my duck mom is disappointed in me because I'm not being a good duck. (laughs) And that's a lot of the story Mm. with my clients. And the reason why you'll never be able to prove your worth to, if you're a black sheep, to your family or maybe to your community is... Because you're a swan, so you'll never be a dog. Mm, ah, <laughs> and there's there's yeah. a quote going around <laughs> on the internet that yeah. uh, apparently <laughs> Einstein said. I'm not sure if this yeah. is true or not. Huh. But, you know, if you're a fish and, you know, people judge you on how good you can climb a tree, mm, yeah. you will always feel stupid. Mm, so it's mm. all about a perspective shift mm. in the story 
the duckling actually, it, it doesn't transform. It's always been a swan. But it's at the moment where, you know, it's looking in the pond and there's other swans there and the swans say, hey, you know, did you know you're a swan? And, you know, the duckling looks in, in, the, in the water and says, oh, my goodness, I'm like those magnificent birds. I've been a swan the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yeah. the same thing with my clients when we are doing a session, that moment when they realize that, the moment mm-hmm. they realize oh my goodness, I'm not an ugly duckling, I'm a swan. Mm. Everything that I was criticized before being too sensitive, being too defiant, Mm. and actually means that I'm intuitive and means that I'm a free thinker, I'm an independent thinker. And it's like the whole room lights up. Mm. And that's when you become grounded and comfortable in your skin. Mm. You realize I'm a swan, so now I can just be a swan. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Oh, yes. A billion yeah. times to that truth. <laughs> I have to relate that back to freedom, right? Like, yeah, man, it's realizing that we're already free. And then yes. that's it. Like, oh, all the prisons that I thought I was in, you know, the prison mm-hmm. of my own mind and body and all that. It's just an experience. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I can very much relate from that perspective. I'm more broader, like bigger perspective because my, my, let's say, not my search anymore, but my uh, let's say my dance, I have to use that word, it's more fun. Mm-hmm. I love having fun when it comes to that. My dance is really to stabilize this body, mind and freedom. So mm-hmm. that really resonates true to me. So it's not really becoming, it's realizing what we already are. So it's That's not, right. Why we're not becoming I, anything new. I feel it's often, uh, it's a, it's a perception shift that we're making. Mm, yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. An amazing one, a very much needed one when we look at mm-hmm. the uh, our shared reality and all the suffering because of that, of not seeing our own truth, our own essence, mm-hmm. our own identity, our true identity. So we're almost at the end. It has been wonderful, mm-hmm. Maylene. And we, we didn't get to talk about a lot of things. I actually had so many notes here. Uh, also about the um, the Celestine prophecy, I think um, the oh, book yes. that you have. Oh, I would <laughs> yeah. love to talk about that. We don't have enough time for uh-huh. today, but um, I read that this this is on your website about me. So you mm-hmm. talk about your journey and how you went. You read that book. Then you said yes. something that caught my attention. You said, <clears throat> "I think you realized that I was made of light and connected to the power to a power greater than myself." Mm-hmm. which is really yourself for that great power. <laughs> it's not. Right. <laughs> and then, oh, you talked to the yoga. I mean, there's so much there. But a, lot of, a lot of things that caught my attention because um, it's a journey. It's an interesting journey that we go through uh, mm-hmm. in order to realize finally uh, what we really are. Not, not even who, but what. Right. So going almost at the end, I want to also mention that your offerings on your website, uh, newsletter mm-hmm. sign up. So Agenda Roadmap, and you have So Agenda Transformation, So Agenda Big Magic. Oh, I like mm-hmm. that. And then I want to also mention another post on your Instagram account. It said, uh, what I love is most is more powerful than what I fear. That, yes. That, that's just beautiful. And then something else that I have to mention is that you, you talked about your friend, I think it's her name is Sheena. Not sure if I pronounce it correct. Shanna, mm-hmm. Sheena. Yeah. She has Sheena. been like mm-hmm. Sheena. She has been like a true sister to me. And then you said mm-hmm. soul family connections help heal you. So basically mm-hmm. saying that we there are different kinds of uh, 
of family, right? That has been that yes. very much my case too. Finding, yes. finding soul friends like you and mm-hmm. so many people that I connect with. That's one conversation I want to feel like I know them forever. Like, oh my God, it's uh, it's like yes. eternity in the moment. Like, God, oh, now everything makes sense. So. Uh, what else? Before we say goodbye, I want you to mm-hmm. mention, I know there's another offer for today is the mm-hmm. opportunity to win a one-on-one mini reading with you. That yes. You choose five. So talk to me for, about that. I'll have the link on the podcast notes, of course, but please talk to me about everything that you left unsaid for today's conversation. Maybe. <laughs> so um, I'll talk about the, the offer yeah. first. So if you're listening to this uh, and you're a black sheep and you are currently experiencing people-pleasing burnout, uh, overworking and, you know, getting underpaid or you feel like you keep repeating negative cycles, what really might be missing is just knowing how valuable you are. You know, we talked about, you know, everything maybe that you were criticized for it can lead to your gift. So I'd love for you to uh, have a a chance to sign up to win for a uh, one-on-one mini reading and we'll reveal your personal chakra signature to identify patterns and barriers that are holding you back. And from that, I let, hope that you walk away with two action steps that you can take to start rewriting your story. Mm, that's wonderful. I'll have yeah. the link on the, on the podcast, podcast notes. Um, yeah, I do have the links, the link here. Perfect. So thank mm-hmm. you so much, Maylene, again. So mm-hmm. I guess that was, um, I think I, I, I just included that question here. But before we mm-hmm. say goodbye for today, is there anything mm-hmm. that you left and said, anything that was, uh, was meant to be said, was meant to be here that we didn't get a chance to talk about? Oh, yes. Um, I just really want the listeners to know, um, when I was younger and, you know, growing up as the black sheep, there were often, um, it was difficult to relate to other people because they had, quote unquote, you know, normal families. And... I would just like everyone to know that there are many other black sheep out there. And when we show up as ourselves, you know, we show up as the swan, I feel that we beam energy out, the right signal to the right people. And that's the way that they can find us and that we're not alone on this journey. Mm. Yes. Uh, yes, yeah, a billion times that truth, a beautiful truth to me that... Mm-hmm. It took a while to be realized <laughs> that I was not alone. Uh, thank yeah. you so much again, Maylene, for your presence in our reality, um, for being open to life, for being you. Thank you. Thank you so much again. Thank you so much for having me on. I really enjoyed this conversation with you so much. Yeah, I feel yeah. the same way. So before we say goodbye, the website is meiling-intuitive.com. I'll have the website and also your Instagram link on the podcast notes as well so i'll have everything there thank you so much again and we'll talk soon take good care bye for now thank you for listening to learn more about mei ling Choi and her work please visit mei ling intuitive.com To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.